Taxi. Mom, what are you doing? This is the 77 WABC minicast. You know, it's funny. Uh, when I invited Elliot Gordon to come on this program a couple of months ago for the first time, I thought it would be something um, that people who remembered entertainers of an era that has gone by would really enjoy. I thought they would enjoy looking back through the prism of nostalgia at, uh, at times that they experienced. And sure enough, that occurred. But what I did not anticipate, and which has occurred the last uh, several times that, uh, that Elliot Gordon has been on the program, is that a lot of younger listeners who had no recollection, either because they were too young at the time or weren't even born at the time, had no recollection of the events that we're talking about, they turn out to even be more interested in a lot of the uh, stories that Elliot Gordon has been sharing. Now, if you're a new listener or have happened not to hear Elliot Gordon before, you are in for a treat. Elliot Gordon is uh, a wonderful guy, a guy very entertaining, a guy who has incredible energy. He's an entrepreneur, a former aide to Mayor Giuliani, a producer, a talent agent, a host, and a guy who has a gift for storytelling and has experienced the kind of life that uh, you'd think he'd have to be 500 years old to experience. Very pleased to welcome back uh, to the airwaves, Elliot Gordon. Elliot, it's great to see you. Frank, thank you. I want you to introduce me everywhere. When I go to people's <laughs> house for dinner, when I show up for lunch, I want you to be there to do that. That's fantastic. Well, for the right <laughs> fee, I will do that. I'll follow you around and introduce you wherever you go. <laughs> that sounds great. And, you know, Frank, you're absolutely right. Younger people I'm finding in my audience when I do these presentations. I did one about a week ago at a theater out in uh, a community in Brooklyn, and there was a girl 17 years old helping out and volunteering, and she stayed for the whole hour presentation. And I said, I walked over to her, I said, gee... You don't know who these people are. She says, those guys were great. I said, well, they were the Mills brothers. She <laughs> said, I love their singing. And she said, who is that handsome guy who was so funny? I said, that's Dean Martin. How can you not know <laughs> Dean Martin? But she loved it. And the idea is I'm becoming like a bridge between old show business and a young generation. I love it. I think it's great. And uh, I, I think that's it's a great way of keeping a lot of these entertainers that we are, are talking about alive. Um, we, we have a number of new stations since the last time you've been on. We're heard on WFDL in Detroit, a lot of Detroit area listeners. Explain to folks briefly, if you can, Elliot, what it is that you do in your current incarnation, the, the stage show that you do now. Absolutely. Well, Frank, as a young man, maybe when I was 20, 21 years old, I became a talent agent. I worked with a gentleman, an apprentice, a man named Sid Bernstein, who was the great concert promoter of the 60s. He brought in the Beatles. He presented them at Shea, the Rolling Stones, at Dave Clark Five. And I really worked with Sid as an apprentice. And then I met some guy through Sid. I think they called him Jackie Mason. And you know him. <laughs> And uh, Jack and I were friends for over 20 years, and he connected me with his manager to teach me uh, deals and contracts. So I found I was representing non-exclusively guys like Alan King and Robert Klein and Freddie Roman and Catskills on Broadway and even former heavyweight champion Joe Frazier for mm. autograph shows and Carol Channing and one after another, our buddy Tom Dreesen. And what I found, not only I was getting the commissions, which were nice, but the idea is I was the experience of sharing conversations with them in the back of a cab or at lunch or at dinner 
hearing what they went through to become stars, to become entertainers, that was the intrinsic value. So now, gee, about eight years ago, I called Jackie Mason. I called our buddy Pat Cooper and Tom Dreesen. I said, guys, I got your stories. Can I, you think I should put it into a presentation? They all said the same thing. Do it. Try it and see where it goes. And it took off immediately. So I, I share my conversations, personal anecdotes with all of these guys. And then I show video clips of their greatest performances. And I am creating laughter in the audience. Second to none. People now, I, was, I did a presentation today at a theater in Jericho, Long Island. They, I'm gonna, they're going to bring me back in October. One of the ladies says, when in October, I'm going to change my doctor's appointment so I can be wow. there for your presentation. Well, I'm, I'm not surprised. I I'm said not I'm surprised. on the right track. Hey, uh, by the way, if people want to see one of your presentations, sure. uh, is there a, a way that people could track you down? Sure. And- well, I'm going to do one in the city. I do, uh, I'm do. i doing so many theaters for uh, communities, and uh, I got one in the city at the Safra Community Center on Lexington Avenue and 81st Street, November 6th. And uh, if you want to call me, call me directly. Take down my number, 646-675-1884. My website is under construction because I'm working all the time. Yeah, don't call him now this hour. <laughs> Wait till he's off the air and so his phone doesn't ring while we're, while we're here. Hey, you mentioned uh, Joe Frazier. Yeah. Joe Frazier's name actually popped up in this week's episode of Billions. Do you watch Billions? I have not seen it's it, but it's a great show. Great. Matt Blaze and I watch it. It's, uh, it's, it's very it's the final season. I'm really enjoying the season. And one of the stories they tell in this, I'm wondering if you can confirm if this is just kind of folklore, if it actually happened, is that when Joe Frazier encountered his old rival Muhammad Ali and Muhammad Ali was having a tough time financially that Joe Frazier gave him a wad of cash I think a thousand dollars true story or not? Yeah that is a true story now that was uh, uh, I think before their first fight Joe had told me he he liked Ali that he really admired him as an entertainer but he when Joe had the championship that kind of like was a monkey on his back because people would say, you're not the real champion. You never beat Muhammad Ali because Ali lost his title because he didn't fight in the Vietnam War. It was taken away by the government. Joe wound up winning through an elimination round. Joe said, I always wanted to fight him because to get that shadow away from me, we did meet. He was having a tough time. I lent him some bread. And um, uh, they met in Philadelphia at something. Joe lived in Philly. And Ali was going to New York. Joe was going to New York. So they say, hey, let's go together. And in the car, Ali said, hey, give me a shot at the championship. And Joe said, you got it. At the time, Joe was the heavyweight champion of the world. And he said, I wanted to fight him. He said, by the time we got to Times Square and got out of the car to park the car, Ali just starts screaming at the crowd. He's got my title. I'm going to give him a whooping. He said, I thought we were going to have the fight in Times Square. He said, I get upset. Uh, And then that led to the championship. That's very funny. Hey, the last time you were here, we spent a lot of time talking about the Beatles because it was right after the anniversary of their historic Shea Stadium concert. You had some great insight into what happened then. Well, recently, it was just just a few weeks ago, the 60th anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s March on Washington. Now, when you think of Martin Luther King Jr., and when you think of that uh, that March on Washington, 
Listen, you think of civil rights, you think of the civil rights bill, you think of, um, you know, things related to um, minorities in the country at the time. You think about all the people that attended. You don't necessarily think about entertainers or entertainment, but there were entertainers that played a pretty big role in that march, weren't there? Absolutely. I've got a buddy of mine. He lives on the west side of Manhattan. He's in his mid-80s now, still works. His name is Peter Yarrow. And he was the founder of Peter, Paul, and Mary. And Peter told me uh, when we would talk, I said, Peter, what are your great memories of the early 1960s? You guys had a lot of hit records. He said, "L, I never set out to be a record star. I was always a political activist. And somebody told me, if you get a guitar, you play some songs, more people will come to hear the songs. You can get out your message. He said, I was in favor of civil rights. And I wanted to protest the Vietnam War. That's what it was all about. I met Paul, and we felt we needed a girl up there. And somebody recommended at one of the village coffee shops, there's a good-looking blonde who could sing like Forget About It, which was Mary. He said, we came together. We had hit records before we knew it. And we just started becoming millionaires. And he said, but civil rights was my thing. And then all of a sudden, in 1963, the phone rings, and he said, I can't believe who's calling me. I said, Peter, who was it? He said, it was Martin Luther King calling me. And he said, Peter, I'm bringing 200,000 people to Washington. We can't talk about politics all the time. We need a little entertainment. Could you and Paul and Mary join us and sing a few songs? He said, "L, I was honored. He said, I walked up there with him hip to hip. I was there when he made the I Have a Dream speech. I said, what song did you sing in front of a quarter of a million people? He said, we had a kid who was working for us as a songwriter, and he wrote us a great hit. I said, what was his name? He said, his name was Bob Dylan. Wow. And he wrote for us. Blowing in the Wind, that was our hit, and we did in front of that wow. crowd. Wow, 